0: Coach On Block Talk Radio, I'm your host Edie Summers, and today, today, my guest is Tammy Simon. Tammy is the founder and publisher of Sounds True, an independent multimedia company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom. Tammy began studying with Reggie Ray in 2001 and began teaching meditating with the body introductory workshops in 2007. Her areas of special interest include authentic leadership and applying spiritual principles to organizational life. Tammy lives in Boulder, Colorado, with her partner, Julie Kramer. And I see Tammy here on the line. I'm just going to open up her mic. And hi, Tammy. Is this you? It is. Hi. Nice to be with you. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to have you here today. Uh, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Oh, good. Well, I can't tell you what an honor this is for me. And um, I just, I've just i been listening to you interview people for years, and so I'm just really grateful to have a chance to interview you today for a change. Exciting. Uh, Wonderful. <laughs> yes. So I just wanted to maybe ask you to start with your story, wherever it feels comfortable for you. I'd like people to maybe hear a little bit about you more personally, if that's okay with you. How did you get started? Um, I'd love to know how you found it sounds true, but but where did your journey begin?
1: Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I would, the question of you mean like the journey as in my a uh, personal spiritual quest Where yeah,
0: come in, or? Yeah. i I'm interested in both, but I think that's a great place to start because I know that sounds true is all about um spiritual wisdom, so I think that that sounds fantastic to start there sure
1: well as a as a teenager, when I read books by Herman Hess and Alan Watts, I had a a sense of homecoming and a Mm. sense that there were people that were speaking to a longing in me that Mm. was the strongest thing inside of me that had not been named in my family or in the school system really until I found those authors and their books. And that Mm. lit up something in me. And you could say at that point the quest was born when I read Siddhartha and Mm. heard Mm. about the possibility of enlightenment or liberation, and the idea that you could sit by a river and become like that river, inclusive of everything without end, I think it Mm -hmm. resonated in Singh and birthed uh, really a sense of directionality in my life. And then Mm -hmm. I went to college thinking that I would be a philosophy major so that I could study the meaning of life, but I quickly landed in the religion department because I was interested in the personal voice, the subjective voice, not so much studying abstract ideas, but what does this actually mean inside, not just the human heart, but my human heart? What does it Mm -hmm. mean inside of me to be on this type of quest? And I started studying the life and teachings of the great mystics, and it was really their work that I was the most excited about. And the deeper that I got into Uh, reading the mystics and writing about their ideas, the more I had the sense that any true mystic worth their salt wouldn't get a degree in mysticism. (laughs) It wasn't really an academic pursuit. And Uh so I left Swarthmore College and I went to Sri Lanka and India and Nepal. And it was at that point in my life during this year abroad that I was introduced to the practice of meditation. And that was a huge turning point for me when I actually started meditating and discovered that there was a technology, an approach, a methodology that could help me actually be with myself in a very, Mm -hmm. very deep way. And at that point, I was 20 years old, 21. I dedicated my life during those travels to bringing not just the teachings of meditation, but the teachings of all of the inner approaches to knowing, to Mm. personal, deep, non-conceptual knowing, that I Mm. wanted to bring those approaches to as many people as possible. And I returned with that cry, if you will, in my being, and that trumpet call in Mm. my sense of how I wanted to contribute to the world, And I uh, did not finish my academic degree, much to the disappointment of my family, but instead moved out to Boulder, where I was uh, considering uh, going to Naropa University for a brief period of time to study psychology and meditation. But I really uh, just didn't have the uh, interest in school learning at that time. And so I started volunteering at the local public radio station, interviewing (laughs) spiritual teachers. I thought that the education Uh that I wanted, that I couldn't find in the halls of academia, I might be able to find on the radio by (laughs) talking to people and asking them questions that were really important Mm -hmm. questions to me. And Mm -hmm. so it was a volunteer gig at KGNU Boulder County Public Radio, And really, I I loved it. I loved the conversation. I loved the kind of first-person learning. And at that point in my life, my father died. Mm -hmm. And so I'm 21 years old. My father died, and I inherited a small amount of money, about Mm $50,000. And I was working as a waitress serving greasy Chinese food to people (laughs) and knew that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Kind of, there's a lot of synchronicities that happened, but basically, mm-hmm. sounds true mm-hmm. was born out of that
0: environment. Wow, wow, what an amazing story! Um, I, I'm very curious about a number of things. Um, first of all, just meditation itself. Um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a concept and a, a practice. I think that scares a lot of people, and I, I would love to know more about. Um, just the deep so practice think, of meditation.
1: What do you is scared about I don't know. it? Well, maybe it's
0: people? maybe it's just me, but I think I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't know how to to sit with myself." Um and maybe that's what this is all about is is sitting with oneself. Is there I think is there a fear there? I'm I'm not sure if it's fear of the unknown or what what someone might find. Um, I don't what was your experience like when you first started meditating? I'm just wondering if if maybe we can address some of those maybe those issues that people might be thinking that they Yeah. The fear there? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that uh became apparent to me is that thinking is not actually direct contact. With what's happening, mm. Mm. it's one step removed, and mm. it's a a type of abstraction, if you if you will, especially discursive thinking, where we're going uh, again and again and again and again, record player around the same thing. And mm. so, for example, you could be with beautiful sunset, and yet instead of actually being there with the sunset. And its beauty and its mystery and its sense of boundarylessness and its sense of just pure awesomeness, really, <laughs> instead of actually melting as the sun melts down, we mm-hmm. could be thinking about what we're going to be having for dinner or the next day, or how we need more money mm-hmm. or what we're you know, all of these things, and there can be this distance between the glory of the moment and uh, our experience of it we're not actually in it and so Mm -hmm. for me meditation was a way that I could start discovering being and what it Mm -hmm. means to receive in the moment Mm -hmm. through all of my senses and having this appreciation of enormity and awe and timelessness. And within that, of course, some fresh and interesting and new insightful thoughts can arrive, but that's quite different than the type of kind of busy mind, planning, worrying uh, type of thinking that normally takes up all of the space in the field Mm -hmm. of our presence and so, for me, meditation created this huge shift where the thinking mind went in the back seat of the car instead okay. of driving the car. And so, yeah, sure, there's still plenty of thoughts coming up all the time, but they're not driving the car anymore. There's more a sense of presence or openness that is in the front seat. And I think that might scare people because. And this is the scary part. In a sense, no one's driving the car, but yet the car still gets to all the places it needs to go. And so wow. it's very odd. And what I mean by nobody driving the car is that yeah, there's a there's a sense of you could call it a self or a sense of being or a sense mm-hmm. of presence, but it's not held together through all of this self imaging. And idea of who I am and who I'm supposed to be and what other people think I'm supposed to be and how much money I'm supposed to have and all of these all of that has dropped away and there's more a sense of open flow and mm-hmm. I, I do think that that can be scary for people because there's not that same quality of control and perhaps mm-hmm. uh, other people might harm us because we don't have all of our defenses and armor that we've constructed up in any given mm-hmm. moment. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's also incredibly freeing and we could even say <laughs> liberating.
0: Mhm. Yes. And it sounds amazing and I have to say Tammy that um while I'm li- sitting here listening to you talking, I I see I mean your voice is very meditative. And I'm I'm curious if if you've always had this meditative quality to your voice or if this is a uh, maybe something that has come through um, having yeah. been with meditation, sure. but I feel like we're in a meditation right now. Um, this is, which is kind of the whole point, right? Is to is to be in that altered. I mean, is it even considered an altered state, or is it just the state of being?
1: I think I might. I think I might posit that the altered state, the not natural state, is the state of contorted tightness that mm-hmm. comes both in our bodies. And in our mind, there's this sense of uh, tangledness, you know, tangled Mm. thoughts Mm -hmm. and going over the same kind of thing, that that's actually the alteration and Mm -hmm. that what's Mm -hmm. actually known in the tradition as, quote-unquote, the natural state, that the natural state is a state more of flow. More a uh, mm-hmm. state of unknown unfolding, fresh in each mm-hmm. moment. Now yeah. you you mentioned something about my voice, and mm-hmm. you know I've heard all kinds of comments about my voice from people who <laughs> love it and people who hate it. You know I've mean, mm, gotten raves really? from people. You know you you yeah oh you sound like a mortician or whatever. And oh I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of like talking about somebody's face. Like, you're not really, in a certain sense, you're not responsible for your face. You know, it's the face you were (laughs) born with. And some people might like it, and some people might be like, God, I really can't stand your face, or I love your face. But it's also, you know, I think of this line, uh, I think it's from Abraham Lincoln, who said that everybody has responsibility for their face after the age of 40, (laughs) something like that. With the idea meaning that (laughs) even if you have a very beautiful face, if you're grumpy, and uh, mm, scrunching mm. your face and dark and negative and at scowling, et cetera, your face is going to take on that quality. And even uh, if you were born with a gorgeous face, I don't know how beautiful it will be. Or mm, even if you were yeah. born maybe and your face had certain interesting distortions or didn't look like the norm, if there mm. was a light shining from your heart mm. through mm. you, you might appear gorgeous, even though it might be a strange type of gorgeousness. So anyway, I think about the voice a lot like the face.
0: Hmm, That is so interesting. And well, I I mean, I was thinking of just, the energy coming through you and but also when you're speaking about someone's face i mean or, or or presence i mean there's just it's it's really and even when we're speaking about beauty i heard i can't remember who said this i think it's marian williamson she said that beauty is radiance of the soul and i i yeah. was i was always loved that because i think that's really what's happening there um is that's what true beauty is but um i just but yes i do think there is a um I do feel that you have a meditative a, a a very insightful quality to the energy that's coming through you that happens to be your voice. <laughs> but um but I just really I mean there's so meditation now you talk about meditating with the body which is a somatic experience. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so well, I am wondering a a really go ahead. big
1: yeah a big this was a big breakthrough and a big turning point actually that happened in my life okay. even though I started meditating when I was twenty one and then practiced uh in many different traditions until the age of thirty nine It was when I met a teacher named Reggie Ray that mm-hmm. I was introduced to a body of practices that he developed from his own solitary retreat practice and also from the tradition of Tibetan Buddhism and Tibetan yoga and some very, very advanced practices that he was able to distill and essentialize and bring forward to an open audience of beginning practitioners. So really a brilliant, innovative body of work. And in it... What he was able to bring to people, and, and part of his, this is what he saw. He saw that many people had been meditating for a long time, but mm-hmm. that they were actually like floating heads on the meditation <laughs> cushion. So there was a sense of struggling with the posture
0: mm-hmm. and actually
1: mm-hmm. being somewhat disembodied while meditating. Right. And, yeah. and that actually the real fulfillment and transformation that can come from meditation can best come and actually, I think, requires that we're fully in our bodies. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that that means is that we learn to relax while Mm -hmm. we're on the Mm -hmm. meditation cushion. And Mm -hmm. I noticed for myself that there was a quality often of tension. I was trying to keep my back straight (laughs) and, you know, my hip hurt, et cetera, et cetera, and that I wasn't able to actually sink really mm-hmm. deeply sink on the cushion. And in mm-hmm. that sinking, connect to the energy of the earth, mm-hmm. allow gravity to be working on me, and mm-hmm. at the same time, mixed with that quality of relaxation and sinking, to be able to also have an alignment mm-hmm. in the body mm-hmm. so that the energy can flow through the central channel of the body, which is a channel that's located just directly in front of the spine. And when that central channel is open and the energy is flowing directly in front, like a river in front of the spine, and of course this is actually a huge focus in yoga, They call Mm -hmm. the central channel the Shashumna, the Shashumna Nadi. And many of the different yogic practices actually culminate in being able to sit with the Shashumna, the central river of experience being open. And when we're able to sit that way, there is this openness to the natural state that you and I were talking about. And so Mm -hmm. all of these different practices within meditating with the body completely transformed my approach to sitting. And really they transformed my life, the Mm -hmm. the wholeness of my life, because there became this uh, very powerful process of change that happens when we're rooted in the body that doesn't happen if we're experiencing life through the mind, conceptually. Mm-hmm. We just don't change that much. That's what I discovered. You can mm-hmm. think a lot about mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. You can talk about changing. You can <laughs> be articulate about it. But are you actually changing? And mm-hmm. I had discovered in my life, even after I'd been at Sounds True for you know close to two decades, that I mm-hmm. knew a lot, but that I myself, in terms of how open was really my heart, how rooted was I, actually uh in in the lower centers of my body, how rooted were my feet, how open were my feet when they touched the ground that that part of me i wasn 't actually changing that much, but it was mm-hmm. a combination I think of really devoting myself to the meditating with the body practices and then also devoting myself to the practice of relationship, intimate relationship, mm-hmm. and I actually mm-hmm. think i couldn 't even find my way into intimate relationship until I was more embodied mm-hmm. because I wasn't, I wasn't actually there, part of me. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> part of me was, but part of me wasn't. And so it was uh-huh. this combination of becoming embodied and then really uh, rooting in intimacy that I think has created the most growth in my life
0: wow and and what a what a there's i mean there again there's so many topics that we can talk about, but I really appreciate that you brought that up um I think that this is something that I'm um dealing with myself right now, so I'd love to know more about this, and I think that this is probably also um something that a lot of people are maybe wanting to know how to become more present um in their intimate relationships because isn't that I know that this is what matt talks about like it's kind of like the crucible of of where. I mean, the crucible of intimacy, right? We could almost call it that. Um, I'm wondering, um, and, you, and for you, it sounds like what I hear you saying is that the more grounded that you became and the more that you kind of sank into your body and became present in your body, you were able to be present more in your intimate relationships. Is that is that what I heard you say? Yeah,
1: it, I think it gave me a chance at being. Mm-hmm. I mean, i had been in many relationships, uh, mm-hmm. throughout my life um and yet there was a way that at the end of the day it was kind of on my terms
0: and mm-hmm. I didn't know mm-hmm.
1: how to really mm. I didn't know how to really open up really to mm-hmm. being in a in a true 50/50 partnership with mm-hmm. somebody and I think it 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 was a combination of getting to the age of 39 and realizing that realizing mm-hmm. that uh, I had chosen partners who perhaps uh, equally to me weren't really that available for mm-hmm. the depth of intimacy that I wanted, and mm-hmm. that this was the thing I wanted more than anything else in my life, that I had achieved a certain amount mm-hmm. of success, that sounds true, and mm-hmm. that yet there was this huge sense of the intimate love being an unfulfilled part of me. And that somehow mm-hmm. I was quite natural at being a spiritual aspirant. And a lot mm-hmm. of those practices are done alone. And that I had a certain <laughs> amount of comfort actually being alone. Like when you mentioned mm-hmm. that people, some people are afraid of meditation, afraid of just being mm-hmm. with themselves. Yeah. I thought to myself, the thing that I was really afraid about, I think, was really being super close, really, mm-hmm. to another person mm-hmm. because yes. of... Uh, a fear of being taken over or smothered, a fear of my, mm-hmm. not having my own uh, uh, individuality honored, all kinds of things, obviously left over mm-hmm. from early childhood imprinting. And mm-hmm. that I really needed this combination of, you could say, the depth of psychological work with the depth of spiritual work that I wanted all of that to come together in my life and that it came together uh, in the body and in in my heart, really, in Mm. the sense of openness in my heart. And I had to be honest that all of the spiritual practice I had done had only opened my heart so much. I was good at loving the world in the abstract, but did I actually know how to uh, really receive love Really, mm-hmm. from another yeah. person up close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could uh, emanate out. I could do a loving kindness meditation and emanate love out into boundless space. But put me, uh, you know, on a vacation for two weeks with the person I love the most, and take my computer away from me, and I'm in an all-out <laughs> white panic. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just sweating. I mean, no, and you're oh my not the God, only one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, this uh, is actually the area of my life. That's calling me the most to grow.
0: Interesting. That's fascinating, and I really appreciate you sharing that, Tammy, because I think that is that um, a lot of people do struggle with that. So it's I just really appreciate you being so transparent. And on that note, I wanted to ask you. I mean, we de- I definitely want to talk about Sounds True, and I also want to talk about um, the development of Sounds True because I know that you are into leadership, and I I think that um, whenever you are, you know, obviously developing a, a company. Of Of that nature that that you have to be a leader in order to do that, but first of all um in sounds true, and I don't know if this is related or not, but you guys have been doing the self acceptance project now is this related yeah. at all to to um receiving love and going to kind of what you've just been talking about yeah. is that is that the path yeah. or one of the paths well i mean I
1: think you could yeah i mean I think you could you could see that there's this uh theme in my life story which is when there's something I really want to learn about, Mm -hmm. I I find a way to uh, talk to people who I think might be brilliant on the topic Mm -hmm. and Uh ask them my questions (laughs) and see if that helps me uh, grow and learn and if in the process I can create an offering for other people. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's even similar to part of the motivation of what you're doing here Mm -hmm. in in your radio show. Absolutely. With the self-acceptance project, there was a, a combination, I guess, of three things, I think, that led to the birth of that project. One mm-hmm. is in my work with meditation students, I often saw that people, as they developed and as they committed themselves more and more to meditation, that the thing that often was the hardest part for people was how they worked with their own self-aggression and their mm-hmm. own okay. uh, self loathing and self-hatred, really. Mm -hmm. And that the more that we came into our bodies, the more that we discovered that the reason that we weren't in our bodies is that what we discovered waiting for us was a sense of shame, a sense of grief and pain and not being good enough. And Mm -hmm. that part of the reason people were bouncing off into discursive thinking again and again and again and leaving their bodies was because that they, they, they didn't know how to work with all of the yuck and muck mm-hmm. that was waiting for them as unexperienced uh-huh. uh, life really yes. in the body. And that okay. then when people found, let's say, a sense of shame uh or a sense of uh I wished I had loved more, I wished I had said something different, something that they felt they failed at. When they found these experiences that had yet to be touched upon, then they layered it over with, and I'm a terrible person because Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel that thing, or I'm a terrible Mm -hmm. person because of the thing I did or said. And so there were layers and layers of shame and self-aggression and that mm, this was a way to wow. completely interrupt the meditative process. That mm-hmm. this process of becoming quite fluid and surrendered and being the unknown mystery would get interrupted almost like an emergency break being pulled hmm. by this self-hatred and self-loathing. So this is the first thing I saw, was that, wow, I'm spending a lot of time in dialogue with meditation students, and really what we're talking about is their lack of Mm self-acceptance. Then the second thing I saw was that this was a big issue for me, for (laughs) me personally, that things would happen, and I would suddenly be like, oh my God, I just want to hang myself. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, you want to hang yourself? It wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Like, just Mm -hmm. relax. You know, no, no, (laughs) I, I... you know, I can't believe that I did or said that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I had my own very uh, extreme reaction to mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I saw was that mm-hmm. there was something happening in the culture at large where people yeah. were more and more tuning in to self-acceptance being this huge challenge. So those were the three things that informed this 23-part series that we created uh, mm-hmm. as a free series at Sounds True.
0: Yes, and I just wanted to let people know that if they're if they're listening here and you can see the sounds pa- the the page, um, the link is on here. I put it on there for um, soundstrue.com slash self-acceptance. And if anyone is listening, say, through iTunes, um, again, you just go to www.soundstrue.com slash self-acceptance. And like you said, Tammy, that is a free program. So that's that's a really generous offering, and um, it just it looks like just an incredible program. So thank you for putting that together for people. Um, and I know that you just have incredible. I was also listening on iTunes to um, your um, is it your the insights you have a I can't remember what it's called now. Was it yeah? Was it it's called something? Insights
1: at the Edge. And, yeah, insights, insights at the, at the edge. edge.
0: Yes. Yes. Just so that's a, a free podcast interview.
1: series uh, yeah, yeah. A, a weekly interview show that I host it sounds true
0: it's it's just incredible, and it's just um thank you so much for putting that out and if it's okay with you, um I just wanted to take a very short break like twenty second break and just reintroduce you. is that okay and play a little music and come back of course, Would so, you be okay with that? great well, thank of you so course. much um <laughs> i just um sometimes it's nice to take um talk about like a little take a mental break and um <laughs> Let's sink sink more into our bodies and we'll come back and I would love to hear um um more about the development of sounds true. So um everyone we'll be right back you're listening to the wellness coach on Block Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Wellness Coach on Block Talk Radio. I'm your host, Edie Summers, and my incredible guest today is Tammy Simon. She is the founder and publisher of Sounds True, which is an independent multimedia company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom. Excuse me. <clears throat> Tammy began studying with Reggie Ray in 2001 and began teaching Meditating with the Body introductory workshops in 2007. Excuse me. Her areas of special interest include authentic leadership and applying spiritual principles to organizational life. Temmie lives in Boulder, Colorado, with her partner, Julie Kramer. And (laughs) you'll have to excuse my voice, just sort of. (laughs) It's interesting how we're talking about voice, and uh, you have to really just sort of um, give yourself, I guess, allowances for <laughs> what your body does. And I, I, re- I found it so interesting how, I just kind of want to do a recap for our listeners. Um, I think the point that really sunk in for me is how you were talking about the, the reason that people might be afraid to meditate is because of what they might find there, which is shame, deep shame, and, and also the self-aggression that goes along with that um, for having any shame. Well, well the truth is we
1: might find we might find all kinds of things, which is the interesting thing, because we might also find unbelievable ecstasy, joy Mm. beyond anything we've ever conceived of. And that Mm. what happens, actually, is that when we're living in a mental world, everything starts becoming quite flat. There's a a sense of Mm. our lives being uh, somewhat flat and dry and... Uh, repetitive, like, oh, I have to do the dishes again, or I have to, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, check my computer again, or or whatever <laughs> it might be, whatever the repetitive chores are. And there's this uh, phrase, tamalgi nangshen, which is a, uh, a, a Tibetan phrase that has to do with taking the sacred world as ordinary. And mm-hmm. so we, we actually... Mm-hmm come into a way of being where we miss that the world is sacred, everything being Mm -hmm. sacred, because we've exited this direct, rich, full experience of life, which can only be found in the immediacy of the body's reception of the world and everything's mm-hmm. being filtered through this very small place. But in that experiencing of the richness and the sacredness, we also experience everything. So anything we haven't wanted to mm-hmm. experience, that's waiting for us too. So I just want to mm-hmm. say that because it's not Thank like you. we turn into our body and <laughs> we just find the muck. We actually yeah. find the full range of experience. But the thing is, okay. people want the the good parts without the bad parts. And that makes uh-huh. sense. I mean, I wanted that. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember talking to <laughs> Reggie, and I was like, look, I want all the highs, but I don't really want these lows. Do you have any other uh-huh. approach for me that will give me that? You know, because I don't like this part. And he was like, you know, I wish I could help you, but I, I, I actually can't. It's a it's a complete package. And that's, I think, a big thing for people to make peace with. Mm-hmm.
0: That if you, okay, if you so. really
1: do want the ecstatic... Uh, elements huh. of life and the full joy and richness that there has to be a willingness to experience everything and mm-hmm. have your heart break open in the midst of uh, the world in which there's so much brokenheartedness.
0: Mm. And that and that's that's an interesting point and that's a very profound point actually because I think that that is where we get stuck because we don't want to experience the, the broken heartedness um, and yet we're yet isn't the truth that we're experiencing it anyway I mean is it is it just that go ahead I'm curious well, that's, that's part
1: of the yeah well that's part I think of the meditating with the body work is that okay. our body's taking it in but we're not really mm-hmm. feeling it so we're not really uh, in touch with it but it's there okay. and that's why it's there waiting for us okay. so like you could take an example or something like somebody has come into the room and you know they're they're really angry and they slam the door and they scream and maybe at one level we think you know what, I, whatever i'm not going to i'm not going <laughs> to worry about that i'm not going to concern mm-hmm. myself but our body took in the loud noise mm-hmm. our body mm-hmm. absorbed that that big s- scream and and the the anger and and all of that mm-hmm. and so then when we okay. go to meditate and we tune into our body there is that felt sense of just the response to that loud scream is still there, mm-hmm. waiting for us to experience it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I've taken a very innocuous example, in a sense, of somebody just a loud scream in a room. But what if it's you know terrible grief, terrible mm-hmm. loss that we didn't let ourselves really feel because we were afraid of being overwhelmed by it, but yet our body took it in And then when we tune in and the Meditating with the Body exercises, we're doing things like breathing into every cell of the body. Mm -hmm. So we're intentionally going through the body millimeter by millimeter, scanning and going in. And these experiences and memories are then available to come forward. And they've been stored in our tissues you know the the saying the issues are in the tissues they've been stored there <laughs> yes. and they come forward and in in a sense that's our quote-unquote karma that's everything that we've experienced to date that is then generating more life but we haven't become aware of it we haven't touched it and we accelerate the opening of our karma through our lives when we take a few moments, we stop and we tune in and we actually allow ourselves to touch in to what's actually happening inside mm-hmm. of us. It's huge. And, and that's why this kind of practice is so transformative.
0: And that is a... I really appreciate you saying that because I just kind of had a a little in, insight myself there, understanding. So, I mean, I'm starting to wonder if maybe the real fear isn't the... Um, Kind of facing, kind of like what you say, call like the yucky stuff. It's more like being stuck. I mean, if you really think about it, like, I mean, don't isn't it human nature to want to keep moving forward? And yet, I think a lot of us feel stuck, and maybe that's the reason. It's because if we haven't allowed ourselves to feel, to experience both the highs and the lows, um, then there is this sense of feeling stuck, or that time, or that things go. You you don't progress as much, um, and therefore your life isn't as like there's always. I think that people are always wanting to experience more, and yet there's also this feeling of that they're not getting what they really want. Does that make sense? And I, I just when you talked about well, yeah, I mean it's like karma, we, we, we want to experience.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I just I think that, well, that people well, well, do want to experience.
1: People want to experience more, but they, I think, often mm. want to experience more on their terms. And mm. on mm. the mysteries terms. Mm. And that yeah. shift, that shift to saying, you know, things may change dramatically in my life. And that's okay.
0: It's mm. not, you
1: know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to experience more, but don't touch my bank account. Or you know only if it goes up, I want to experience more, but you know I don't want my life to be reconfigured i mm-hmm. don't I don't want to have yeah. to really confront my partner or mm-hmm. risk outgrowing my circle of friends or mm-hmm. risk having to move from where I live to a new town, or mm-hmm. any of those kinds of risks, so mm-hmm. we want to experience more, but are we actually open? to the process of change in our life Mm -hmm. and to being a process of change.
0: Mm, I love how you say that. I've never heard it that way before. That is just so profound to me, being the process of change itself, as opposed to thinking that it's something outside of yourself or, like you were mentioning, intellectualizing it, Um, because it can be this vicious cycle if we constantly um, think to ourselves, I need to change, I need to change, and yet it's it's a um, it's something that you experience as opposed to force yourself to do. It's it's just more of a unfolding.
1: Yeah. Well, when I, I think of some of the work of Deepak Chopra when he talks about mm. how the body that we have in seven years, all the cells in our body will be new and different, mm. yeah. and that in this sense we have a, a type of quantum body a, a body that is a field a quantum field of change mm-hmm. and so it, we are we are the process of change mm-hmm. impermanence is not a buddhist idea that lives mm-hmm. outside of us where this permanent fixed entity and mm-hmm. things outside of us are impermanent there's one impermanent thing going on expressing itself in all of these impermanent Moments of unfolding mhm
0: and and also I, I love how you say that, and also you we were mentioning earlier about being in that state of flow um and this is something that um we talk about in in wellness coaching is um when you're in that state of flow um that's that's when things and it, and again, it's not on your terms, but it's being present for the experience of life as it unfolds and then and therefore the the change that happens as well um it becomes an effortless process. It sounds to me like I mean, of course, you have to show up but but i I think that um I think that we tend to approach changing with resistance, which is the opposite of flow,
1: yeah, I think the effort comes in not clenching up, not resisting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. watching ourselves, watching how we leave the somatic level of experience. Because it's too intense.
0: Mm. Yes. So not checking out. Like keeping our our, our exactly. work is to stay to stay tuned in. <laughs> exactly. That is um <laughs> exactly. that's that's kind of the becoming my um little catchphrase here is is take the time to tune in and I think there's yeah. there's it doesn't doesn't have to be scary. It can be exciting and even, you know, both for the highs and the lows. Um I just I really appreciate this conversation Tammy and it's it's really helping me and I know that it's going to be helping other people too and um I wanted to ask you on the on the topic of transformation and changing um what exactly was the process like for you in developing sounds true um I just I would love to know um as a woman and as an entrepreneur and you know as, as for anyone who's hoping to step into that that leadership position what was that process like for you for actually developing your company Yeah You know
1: there was a lot of um magic in it and it mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. from a place in me that was quite desperate and devoted. And mm. it, it didn't come from being like, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm gonna start a business or you know, I was a college dropout uh-huh. who had discovered the value of meditation and uh-huh. yet had no idea, zero idea how I would make a contribution in the world. I had mm. seriously disappointed my family. And mm. I had this I say devotion, I had this sense that the universe had given me so much in terms of the quality of education that I'd been Mm -hmm. allowed to have in terms of being born in the United States into Mm -hmm. a family that loved me. And I had this really desperate urge to give to the world Mm -hmm. and to make Mm -hmm. my life somehow a giving back to other people. And so this was the most profound thing alive in me at that time at age 21, which is, how am I going to use everything I've been given so that I can contribute and help other people with my life? How do I do that? Mm. And so I started praying really, really hard because I I had no Uh idea. I mean, if anything, it was going to be some combination of art and social change which Mm -hmm. didn't really mean... I didn't know what that meant, except there's something Mm -hmm. about the power of human creativity, and gosh darn it, I want this world to be different. I want it Mm -hmm. to be a world that has some level of sanity and humanity Mm -hmm. and how we relate to each other to be the prevailing uh, theme, not what I see around me. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know, but I prayed, and I prayed uh, this prayer... God, I'm willing to do your work. Please show me what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I said mm-hmm. it
1: again and again and again. And wow. in using the word God, what I meant by that was just, oh, beautiful universe, oh, intelligent, mm-hmm. good, beautiful universe. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm here and I want to do your work, whatever it is. And I didn't mm-hmm. care if it was, you know, sleeping or cleaning out the refrigerators mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, I just wanted to, I wanted a sense that I would be shown Something that felt to me that it was God's work, and mm-hmm. the word willing was very important to me uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be willful. I didn't want it to have to be on my terms. Like, you know, this is it. This, you know, I'm I'm going to willfully push this through no matter what. But I also mm-hmm. wasn't willless. I wasn't just like you know hanging hanging out. Uh, waiting to be discovered, drinking a malt mm-hmm. in a drugstore or something. <laughs> I was like, I'm willing. I am here, and I am willing, but I'm going to need some help. Will you show me? Well, and there was tremendous huh. sincerity in that. And I think some of that, you know, there's something about being 21, where there's, <laughs> a, a, at least for me, a naivete, um, a uh-huh. sense of anything possible, but yeah. also a... Uh, a, a kind of, um, I don't know, I was completely wholehearted and desperate both, really, truly. <laughs> and I love how you say that. I think something, it's true. and something, yeah, I love it. What came from that prayer is that I met someone that I was interviewing for my volunteer radio show while okay. I was waitressing at the Chinese restaurant, <laughs> and I uh, mentioned to him that I had just inherited this small amount of money, and that I didn't know what to do with it, and that Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to put it in the bank because I wasn't sure that it would do any good sitting in a bank. And Mm. he looked at me and he said, Tammy, you know what you want to do.
0: Mm. And
1: I was like, well, actually, I I beg to differ with you. I I don't. (laughs) If I did, I I actually don't know what
0: I want to do.
1: I wouldn't have asked you. (laughs) And he said, why don't you think about this for three days and then come back and talk to me? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: this very interesting thing happened when I walked out of his office, which is I suddenly had this feeling that I wasn't quite walking on the ground. It was a very odd feeling.
0: Oh, wow. But it was like
1: my body felt really different, and I felt like I was sort of walking two feet above the ground. And then mm-hmm. I heard a voice, and I don't know if it was an internal voice or an external voice, I don't know, but I heard these words, disseminate spiritual wisdom. Wow. And wow. there was a sense huh. of... Uh, how it all landed and felt in me. I had read a book uh, in college called Focusing by Eugene mm-hmm. Genlin, and he talked about the felt sense and how you could feel in your body what was the right direction to move in. And so I mm-hmm. knew that mm-hmm. in hearing these three words disseminate spiritual wisdom, there was something happening in my body that didn't feel like anything I'd ever felt before in my whole life. And so mm-hmm. I knew I had to pay special attention to this. And in a sense I felt like those three words were a gift that was being given to me as an answer to the prayer that I had been saying. And it just felt wholly right to disseminate spiritual wisdom. And then mm-hmm. of course I had to engage in a rational process. Well, you know, okay, that's a great great idea, but you know, how am I gonna do that? What? Mm-hmm. And it was just clear. <laughs> I could I could go through books, I could go through audio. I could go through mm-hmm. video, I didn't want to use the medium of of books mostly because I had read so much in college and had found it kind of grueling and I also mm-hmm. thought so many people have successfully been in the book publishing world that seems like a a pretty um competitive world to enter i don't I don't think that's a good place to start, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to go into video because there was a lot of television watched in my family, and I thought it numbed people to sleep. But then when I thought I could disseminate spiritual wisdom through audio, I thought, well I have a radio show. I love listening. I love uh-huh. the human voice, all of these yeah. things. I thought why don't I start there?
0: Oh, perfect. So it was kind of kind of um just taking it further and deeper where you already were. But with uh with the answer to your prayer, which um was very sounded very like it was very active and um there was a, a very active process there i think but also receiving i mean we were talking earlier about receiving right um i'm i'm wondering if is that a form of receiving as well like when you when you say a prayer like that and then it sounds like you did receive in a very big way is that the same thing as, as being in an intimate relationship yeah. well
1: i think part or is of it it is it that different? The, the 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 intelligence of the universe is speaking all the time and it's Mm -hmm. often speaking through other people. And so it was speaking uh, (laughs) through this gentleman that I was interviewing for the radio who happened to be a very successful entrepreneur, and there Mm -hmm. was something through him when he said, you know what you want to do. That was the universe Mm -hmm. speaking to Mm -hmm. me. And when I say I want to discover the depth of love in my life that's possible, then my Mm -hmm. partner, Julie, the universe... Is speaking through her when mm. she says, "Well, then leave your iPhone behind and come along with me for a week." That's <laughs> the universe speaking, through, you know. And mm. yes, it's through her. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's part and of it which is that we don't we don't navigate in some kind of spacesuit on our own, just listening <laughs> to ourselves. The world <laughs> is talking to us all the time.
0: And how, and how, and thank goodness that it is and how beautiful that it is um, that we're not in this alone. I think that, um, I think it's easy to think that, you know, we feel separate and yet that it sounds to me like this is all about, um, you know, kind of, again, tuning in and showing up and, and receiving and, um, and then allowing life to unfold, um, in the, in the way that it's allowing the beauty of your life to unfold um, without an agenda, right? Like, and just, but at the same time showing up for it, whatever whatever is unfolding. Um, yeah, I, I think a,
1: a very uh, big uh, insight that I had early on, and maybe this goes back to even where we started our conversation where I was talking about the books of Herman Hesse and Alan Watts, mm-hmm. is that there's one huge interdependent, universe or presence occurring mm-hmm. so we're not we're we're more like cells in a universal body and mm. so oh, wow. a cell has a permeable membrane and is being impacted and affected all the time it's not mm-hmm. isolated it doesn't live on its own it would be dead in a in a in less than a heartbeat if mm-hmm. it was somehow taken out you can't take out any one of us from the whole and there's a sense when when that's actually deeply known and experienced, and for some people that experience comes from uh, some type of um, LSD trip or ayahuasca <laughs> or something like that, or it comes from reading a book like reading Siddhartha and having mm-hmm. it described that way. But not as a thought, but as a known experience. Then mm-hmm. everything changes from that one deep realization is if, if, if it can actually be felt all the way through,
0: mhm, and that reminds me of um thank you so much for saying that, and it reminds me of um am I saying his name correctly eckhart, eckhart, Tolle? eckhart Tolle. he said that yeah. eckhart Tolle. he said that um I think presence is a felt sense of oneness with all beings or something along those lines and i again it's that word it's that phrase of a felt sense. Um, to me, that's what's really resonating here. I mean, there are many, many things, many insights I'm having and I just appreciate this conversation so much and I want to respect your time too, Tammy, and I, I want to definitely mention all these, the links to all of your websites, um, but I just really want to um, express my gratitude for I'm I'm starting to feel um, more the sense a felt sense of oneness and beingness and um, I really appreciate you um ex- expanding on that for me that that concept and making it feel much more real and i um so j- i just wanted to thank you for that so i think that so is beautiful. definitely one of your gifts It's been
1: fun talking with you
0: you're a good listener <laughs> it's oh, thank well thank you i appreciate it and it's just been my pleasure and my honor and um i do want to respect your time um so um if you, I don't, however, if you want to stay, you can stay, but if you, we're coming up on the hour here, and um, I definitely want to make sure that we, um, is there anything, of course I want to mention your website in general is soundstrue.com, and that's just like it sounds, soundstrue.com, but is there anything specifically that you want to let people know about that's coming up? or programs or we we mentioned the self-acceptance project, um, insights from the edge. Um, but p- please, is there anything that you would like to specifically let people know about?
1: Uh, the only thing that occurs to me is that uh, at the end of October, we'll be offering mm-hmm. a free live stream with Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. And if people oh, wow. have never experienced Thich Nhat Hanh, he's a beautiful teacher, mm-hmm. and it's on touching the wonders of life in the moment, and mm-hmm. I would just think that might be something people would enjoy. That, that's what occurs mm-hmm. to me. It's at the end of October. But if you go to uh, SoundsTrue.com and type in his name, Thich Nhat Hanh, into the search results, you'll find it.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for letting us know about that. And so, Tammy, I just want to leave this with you. Um, If you, like I said, we're coming up on the hour here. I want to respect your time. Um, Do you feel like, I mean, I feel like we have a a really great conversation here. Um, How do you feel? Do you want to continue or do you feel like this is good? (laughs) This feels like a wonderful stopping point. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I so appreciate you um taking the time out of your schedule to speak with me um again just it's just a it's an honor for me and um thank you so much for this beautiful hour um just talk about um spiritual wisdom there is there's a just an amazing array and amount of um spiritual wisdom in this hour for people to to listen to and absorb so I wanted to thank you again for um, coming on my show, and um, yeah, and just and thanks again also for creating Sounds True. Um, I've been I, like I said, I've been listening to your interviews for years, and they've absolutely helped me. So I can think of one in particular with um, is it Carolyn Mace or oh, I'm sorry, not Carolyn Mace. It was um, the lady who wrote. I just want to mention this because it really affected me. Um, let me think of her name. She wrote. She was a nurse, Candace Pert. You did an interview Mm -hmm. with her, and maybe you've done several interviews with her, but um, she was talking about how your body is your subconscious mind. Was that you, that you interviewed her? Yeah. 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 That was, I mean, I've listened to many, many interviews with you that have, um, with other people that are, and I highly recommend to people that they definitely check out, Sounds True for your just phenomenal interviews. They're just one of a kind. Um, but the the amount of um spiritual wisdom that you do learn is is phenomenal. And that is one of many that stood out for me, but that one is that really affected me um on a very profound level and in addition to this conversation. So <laughs> on that note, um I just wanted to say thank you for your for your well, work. Thank you so and much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, Tammy. So um okay. and thanks again, and I will talk to you maybe at some other point and have a great day.
1: Okay, you too. God bless you, all The good work you're thanks.
0: doing. Thanks. Thank bye. you. Take care. Bye bye. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, you've been listening to the Wellness Coach on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in, and take care.